Welcome to the Fit40 Podcast, where we take all the confusing, conflicting fitness and nutrition information and break it down so that you can live your healthiest, strongest, most energized life. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. Welcome back for another awesome episode. I just want to let you know before we get into it, we were having a little bit of technical difficulty between me and Connie. I think she had some sort of like winter storm going on. I had the rain pounding and the Wi-Fi was not on our side. So for that first seven minutes, it can be a little bit choppy. If you find yourself getting lost, like where I ask questions that were not addressed, just know that's why. I did my best to cut it up and make it smooth for you guys so you don't have to deal with any pauses or anything. Just know that that's basically what was going on. There's still a ton of really good value in this and Connie dropped tons of bombs as far as like applicable information that you guys can use today to help you on your own health journey. So I hope that you enjoy it. And if you do want to skip all of the choppiness, then just skip ahead to seven minutes. That's when we switched over to Zoom and had a lot more luck and didn't have any breaks with that. So that being said, enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back for another awesome episode. I have another incredible guest for you. Apologies ahead of time. The internet is looking a little, I don't know how it's going to behave, so apologies if it's a little shaky at times. Today, we have Connie Nightingale with us. She's got seven years in the fitness industry. She's a health and fitness coach, but she's not just a coach. She also walks the walk. She's a bodybuilder. She's done a bunch of Spartan races. Oh, and by the way, she won a gold at International Powerlifting World Championships and has three powerlifting records. So I have no doubt she's going to have a ton of incredible information for you guys to pull from today. I can't wait to pick her brain. Connie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for the great intro. I appreciate that. You make me sound so much cooler than I maybe am in real life. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, it never sounds cool until we hear somebody else say it. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I think so I've been going to therapy for some things. I think we could all use some good therapy, right? And and uh he's like one of the things he's like I had to do this questionnaire and it's like asking all these questions and one of them was like tends to maximize or minimize situations and i was like oh boy i'm so guilty of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think we're all a little bit guilty of that at times where it's like oh it's nothing or mm -hmm. like going way overboard catastrophizing right. and all that but it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um I guess the best way to start these off, like I love knowing where everybody starts from because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can relate to the journey. We all get into fitness. We all get into like dialing in our nutrition for a multitude of different reasons. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm stereotypical guy that wanted to get girls attention. So I'm curious, like what is your reason for getting into the fitness space? What was your intro? Um, well, so funny, it wasn't really even the fitness space. Um, and that's the funny part. I've got a couple new beginnings that kind of happen in my story. But in a nutshell, I had a child with a health condition that needed to be addressed and Western medicine wasn't doing it for us. And I went to this seminar about gut health and all of the, the things, right? But it was true. Mm -hmm. And I came home and I was like, I read this book that they had recommended and, and it blew my mind. And I was like, okay, we've got to make some changes, not only for my child, but for myself, right? So we basically changed our nutrition and, and we didn't eat poorly necessarily in the, in the standard American eye, right? We never ate out. Everything was cooked at home. I made like square meals, you know, you had bread and pasta and uh, meat and you know, like you had all the things, right? Spaghetti, but 
still, when you start to break that down, even though it wasn't from a restaurant or fast food, it wasn't ideal as far as nutrition goes. So we switched to this really extreme diet, which, you know, worked out. I wouldn't recommend that for everyone. It worked out great for us. And pretty soon, not only was my child doing better and my husband doing better and myself doing better. Everybody, like I swear, even the dog got healthier when we when we all switched <laughs> over to this whole foods based diet, right? So I yep. at the time I was I was feeling really horrible. Uh, I was doing all these things. I had a chronic dieting history, as does I think every woman, especially in their younger years, right? You've tried everything you've tried I'm going to be honest with the audience here. That totally crapped out on me and I missed most of it, but Connie caught me up to speed. So what <laughs> I want to do is go into that bodybuilding a little bit and talk about like, cause I know there are some controversial opinions, especially around women doing bodybuilding. Like, what do you think when it comes to bodybuilding, what's your opinion as far as like the benefits versus the risks and things like that? I think the risks heavily outweigh the benefits. So it seems like yeah. a really glamorous <laughs> thing to do, right? Before, when I got into it, social media wasn't really a huge thing, right? So I literally was just getting into it because I wanted to get on stage because I looked really good and I wanted to showcase that, okay? But in a nutshell, it's really, really, really unhealthy. It takes a lot to get a female's body to bounce back from that, not only from a physical standpoint, but a mental one as well. And yeah, I like how you bring up like the differences between ages, because I think one thing that bodybuilding does teach a lot of people is that every diet is different. Like your body is not going to respond the same way every single time. Will some be similar? Yeah. But to expect the same thing every single time, it usually doesn't go that way. Would you agree? Well, oh, I would agree completely, especially because I, for a while there, I was prepping quite a few people because I had a couple preps that didn't go well. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to help people do things the best way, you know, a better way than the way that a lot of these bro coaches are doing things. And, um, I learned a lot from that. So no prep is the same, even with myself, right? I went through five different ones and every single one of them, everything had to be approached from a completely different standpoint. But just because that's a contest prep doesn't mean anything. It's this way in life with people as well. It's not just isolated to the contest prep area of dieting. Absolutely. Because, I mean, when it comes to life, everything's changing. I mean, every time we diet, our, home, our hormones are a little bit in a different place sometimes. And it's just kind of a storm of things that can potentially get in our way. And I know mm -hmm. another thing too, with the bodybuilding space, especially sometimes it will push people to want to copy it because they're like, okay, well, if people get on stage and they look incredible, like I should just do what they do. Right. But then mm -hmm. comes some disordered patterns that are good for a short amount of time, but they don't serve you for a long term. Exactly. Like, and a lot of people yeah. end up kind of in the hole metabolically when they do one bodybuilding show and they can't get control of it. So they think if they do another one, that will force them to lose the weight again and get in control. And it actually ends up being a snowball effect when it comes to the metabolism and keeping the weight off in a sustainable manner. Yeah, because sustainable weight loss is an entirely different process. I know myself personally, I did bodybuilding, what, at age 24, 25? And now at 31, I'm finally figuring out how to keep the weight off without it coming back over and over again. It's a totally different skill. When it comes to the macros, the when you said that like it's good to just kind of stick with it, I know that there's like some 
coaches out there or some processes that are like, you got to adjust for every single day. Like you got to change your macros based on this. You got a calorie cycle. And it's like, just from coaching people for however long, it's like, that sounds like a nightmare for most people. Cause I mean, tell me if you experience the same thing, like getting somebody to hit their calories, just the same target every single time is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I completely agree with you on this. It's kind of funny because there's a million different diet strategies out there, but the one that you can stick to ultimately is going to be the one that works. And a little side note joke about this is I actually took this cycle syncing class, right? Made total sense to me. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like you can shift macros based on the time in the menstrual cycle. And it was really cool and all, but guess what? Who's going to adhere to that? not a gen pop person. I mean, there are some people with discipline that can do that, but for most people, they're busy moms, they're busy in life, they're busy with their career. The odds of being them being able to switch things around and constantly be changing their strategy is just not a really realistic one. So uh, as much as some of this stuff sounds good on paper, ultimately what you can do and what you can stick to and be consistent with is gonna be what gets you the results. 100%, simple scales, complex fails. If the mm-hmm. more simple it is, the better off you're going to be. And yeah. when it comes to um, the macro side of things, I know people can get like really like kind of crazy with it when they're when they're asking what, how much protein, how many carbs, how many fats. And in your experience, when it comes to like setting a target for an average mom for in their 40s, what are some things that you like to keep track of or things that you like to manipulate that might be a little bit different or just unique to somebody in that position? Um, well, so I'm, I'm really big in the functional nutrition space whilst I might not be the way some people are. So some people are like, Oh, you have a problem on your labs. We're going gluten-free. We're doing low food FODMAP. We're doing blah, 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 blah. We're doing all this crazy complex shit. No. My thing is if you can't, you don't manage what you don't measure, right? So I take a, I like to take a look at those things and I like to come up with a reasonable nutrition strategy that works with whatever somebody might have going on on their lab work hormonally with their thyroid. Maybe they have insulin resistance. There's some, some things going on. Now, with that being said, does that mean that if somebody has insulin resistance really bad, or maybe they are type two diabetic, or maybe they have some things going on, right? That could affect their ability to lose weight. With that being said, you cannot be crazy strict with people when they are just getting into a diet strategy. So you have to be, make it aware that there's something going on. Do not teach through fear. That's another problem in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Now is people are, are trying to force things upon people by making them scared, which is going to further make them conflicted in their decisions, right? So you cannot teach through fear. You need to be able to bring awareness to what's going on. So people have an understanding of why you are approaching something that the the way you are approaching it, right? So I like to take a look at some lab markers, see if there's anything underlying that could be holding us up and then start covering the basics. Because if you have somebody that's like really super stressed out and you put them on like a low FODMAP diet and you make everything really restrictive, you're further adding to the stress, which is going to further add to the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And for anybody wondering what the heck is low FODMAP, basically it's like a low gas kind of diet where it's a little bit easier on the gut. And it is in theory awesome, but anytime you put a crazy protocol where it's like, don't eat this, 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 and you have that as a part of your everyday diet, it's not easy because all of us kind of have that little rebellious fuck you part of our brain where it's like, do this. And there's that little voice that goes, fuck that, no. (laughs) 
No. Yeah. Well, and so I always tell people, I know this sounds hilarious, but when I'm working with clients, I'm always like, when I say this, do you feel scared or triggered? <laughs> you know? I love that. And I, I mean, it, it's a good thing to ask because some people are like, hell yeah, let's do it. And other people like thinking, yeah, I'll do that. But they're like inside, they're like, dear God, I can't do that. You know? So I'm always like, does, does these, do these words coming out of my mouth make you feel triggered in any way? <laughs> like, what are you thinking right now? I said, it doesn't have to be what I'm thinking, but please share how you're feeling about this, you know, cause it's yep. a huge thing. Like, and, and then there's the other part of restriction, which, uh, when people get that bad food, good food, thing going on they have a tendency to have that last supper mentality and the last mm -hmm. supper mentality is extremely dangerous because then that gets you into binge eating or like i mean so for example if you are eating perfectly on plan all week long uh we'll say a thousand calories i know that's just way too low but i'm making easy math here all right so say you yeah. ate perfect all week long and say that you were in a hundred calorie deficit for your metabolism at that thousand calories. Okay. So you haven't even lost a pound of body fat yet in that week at that hundred mm -hmm. calorie deficit, which is reasonable, right? Well, then you have a refeed meal and you get that all or nothing mentality because you've now restricted throughout the week, right? You, and so you have this refeed meal. It's like, 3,500 or 4,000 calories, you just erased all your hard work for the whole week. So that all or nothing mentality can be kind of dangerous because then you tend to be all gas, no brakes. And that can be a big time problem when it gets into getting a sustainable approach to weight loss. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious because I, I heard you say last supper meal. What exactly would you define as like a last supper meal? Like just like anything well, and everything like death row meal? <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm like, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like you get this mentality that it's the last meal you're ever going to eat. It's yeah. like, Oh, diet starts on Monday. This is the last good meal that I'm going to eat. So I am just going to get, I'm going out to whatever your favorite restaurant is. I don't know. Cheesecake factory sounds like a good one. I'm getting like the biggest entree. I'm getting the dessert. I'm getting the appetizer. I'm getting the, the, the cocktails. I'm getting all of this, right? Because tomorrow I'm not going to be able to have this because I start on my diet. That's an extremely dangerous way of thinking. And it's not going to get you any closer to your goals. And then that seems to repeat itself over and over for people too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only fitting that you pick the one restaurant that has a menu the size of a Bible for the last supper dinner. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, but no we all pun love intended. We all love that massive menu. Let's be real. They cook it all good enough, <laughs> but mm -hmm. no, you're a hundred percent right because it's all, like you said, all gas, no brakes. Now, when it comes to how most people, like if you had a client in front of you, what would be your preferred speed, I guess, when it's like all gas, no brakes, like what would you like them to do? Like just kind of coast or like gradually rise? What do you think? As far as weight loss goes or nutrition strategies? Ooh, well, I'm going to say weight loss since that's what a lot of people are like very interested in. We'll go that first. So it really depends on the person. Obviously, somebody that is more overweight and has more pounds to lose, you can push them to lose a little bit of weight quicker. Now, if you're dealing with Sally, though, who's 160 pounds and five foot seven, that's a different story. Your rate of loss is going to be 
much less. And it's also going to be a lot different. So where Sally might think she needs to lose 20 pounds, maybe she needs to maintain that weight, but recomp her body composition essentially right so sally might stay 160 pounds but she completely changes her body whereas martha might have 50 pounds of body fat to lose you can ask you can expect the scale to change a lot more before you hit that place where you're losing less and you're recomping body composition does that mean make sense Oh, yeah, because it almost sounds like there's a trend going around now on uh, Instagram, all TikTok and everything, where there's especially women saying, this is what I look at at this weight and the exact same weight, but a total recomp. So Mm -hmm. it almost gets into the topic of sometimes weight looks different depending on Mm -hmm. you and depending on what version of your or what part of your life you're in. So Mm -hmm. have I guess the way to put it would be what would when somebody hits that low point? And they're mm-hmm. all scared of like, oh, I don't want to put on any weight. I don't want to put on any weight. What would you tell somebody if they really number one goal after you talk to them? They're like, I just want to look and feel my best. What would that, mm-hmm. what would you say to that person that's really scared of putting the weight back on? And that's where it gets tricky, right? Pictures are an excellent indicator of this. Although I feel like even with pictures, we can be our own worst critic. And this is where a coach comes in big time because I can remember when I was bodybuilding and I'm like already pretty much stage lean and all I see is fat, right? And a lot of women get stuck on that. So it's really, really hard to convince women that they can make changes and that the scale can become more and they can still look better. And it's even it's like, it's one of those things you almost don't believe it until it happens. So uh, that's one of those things where I think a coach is just huge and they can help you work through it. Uh, because I, I have, I mean, I feel like I can say that confidently that most women aren't able to look at themselves objectively objectively with pictures of the scale without somebody influencing what their mindset is around that. Does that make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Because I know at least in like the 30 year old category, like they grew up with like the heroin chic era in all the magazines. Mm -hmm. And before Mm -hmm. that, it was all these like people in movies and things like that, that were like borderline, like anorexic looking. And that for some reason Mm -hmm. is like the image hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's changed now, right? You've got the girls with the giant glutes. Now they want curves. They want all these things. You <laughs> know, when I was in great school, direction, <laughs> I know when I was in school, we wanted that super skinny, no, butt, like the tiny size zero jeans, no meat on your bones. You know, I mean, crap, I had it going on far ahead of time. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, it's a, it's definitely a great shift because I know, at least personally, I know as a teenager and even in my 20s and at like West Virginia's rec center, it was pretty much all dudes lifting. And now you go to mm-hmm. any crunch, you go to any planet fitness, and it's all women lifting heavy weights. And it, it, mm-hmm. it's like as a trainer kind of just brings a tear to my eye. It's like, oh, my God, this yeah. is beautiful. I know, I know. I've got a client right now that I'm working with and she's been lifting pretty heavy and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this just makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd love to touch on that too, like with people getting into the gym, because I know a lot of people feel very stuck at home. They're like, I can just get my workouts in at home. I'll stick to my 10 pound weights and that should be good enough, right? Like, what would you say Mm -hmm. to somebody that kind of knows they should go to the gym, but they just haven't taken that step? Well, so that's always a tricky one, right? Because a lot of people struggle from self-confidence issues and getting in front of other people as far as working out. So I think that's a huge barrier to people entering that gym realm. 
on another note, I feel like when you are not at home, you're less distracted. And that also helps you tap into your workout a lot better. It also having to, I feel like having to get up and go somewhere to do something and you make the most of your time. Whereas if you're already at home, you're maybe not making the most of your time because you could skirt off and make dinner now, or you could go get on your phone. Like there's a lot of things, right? So I feel like making that time to actually get out makes you a much more efficient with your workout. Like, And that's setting aside the actual strength aspect, right? Because Mm -hmm. we know that you're probably not lifting heavy enough at home. And that's proven now. I mean, there, I finally, like I I used to um, work in dentistry and I was working on someone's teeth one day and she goes, yeah, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. And my doctor told me that I, instead of going on Boniva or one of these medications for osteoporosis, I need to start just lifting heavy weights. So I've been going to the gym and my osteoporosis has improved. And so we're seeing so many benefits beyond just picking up a dumbbell and doing a lot of reps, right? We know muscle mass is expensive. Muscle mass costs us a lot of money calorically. So the more muscle mass we have, the more we can eat at Cheesecake Factory. I mean, it seems like a no no brainer to me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as a former like a fat kid, that's me. the whole reason I lifted because I'm like, hey, I can eat so much more and not get fat as hell. This is awesome. <laughs> hmm Absolutely. You have more places to put that energy that you are eating. So it makes complete sense. If you want to be able to eat more, you want to be able to get your basal metabolic rate up, that is going to require more muscle mass. Also, we have to think of this from an energy standpoint. So if we are like wanting to be insulin sensitive, which I talked about earlier, and we don't want to be predisposed to diabetes and a lot of these illnesses, the more muscle mass we have, the more energy we're utilizing and the more efficiently we are handling our blood sugars. So there's a lot of big benefits to strength training because it's going to put on more size versus just burning calories while you're doing the workout. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've seen a couple studies that literally did it independent of nutrition, like even not focusing on what you're eating, where it's like, if you just start lifting weights, all of a sudden, metabolically, things start to improve. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's an incredible thing. Plus, I mean, you're going to build better shape out of that. And I know Mm -hmm. this sounds like I I was cracking up. I, I shared a post out of like women's health magazine or something a couple years ago where Charlize Theron's trainer said to do more uh work your bicep with a narrow grip because that makes narrower muscles or some stupid crap like that and I I share it every year yeah I share it every year because it totally cracks me up but then you know there's this people want to tone you need to lift lighter weights and do higher reps and that's just really not the case because that turns it more into a cardio movement rather than something that is going to build tissue. And the main goal of us lifting heavy weight is building more tissue so that we can eat more food. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the base, the best way to put it, right? And mm-hmm. there's so many other things that respond to that stimulus. It's not just your muscles, it's actually your bones and stuff. So I recall watching a documentary 
who knows how long ago. I'm kind of like a weird nerd with these kind of things. But they actually found these bones that were like millions of years old in a cave. And they had identified them as female bones. But they could tell she was a slave because her bones were much denser than the upper class women. So that meant that at a young age, they, they said probably 14 to 16 years old, this girl had been carrying around a lot of weight. And it made her bones much denser. So not only is it your muscle that's growing, it's also your skeletal mass itself. Interesting. But you know, Netflix will probably try and claim that she was vegan because they yep. ate a mostly plant-based diet because they were poor, right? Right. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. I'm sure that she was in the best health ever because that's all she did. <laughs> by far, by far. Because yeah. vegans, the, yeah. the, 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 I'm not even going to say it, but yeah. I think to bring it back, I think a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, people, especially women, when it comes to the gym, building muscle, all these benefits, it's like, yes, this is all good. This is great, but I don't want to get bulky. Well, so. I mean, <laughs> I, I love that one. I'm still trying to get bulky and it's not working. I mean, I'm probably closer <laughs> than ever, but, uh, but there, so there is a, a couple pieces I want to say about this. Okay. Number one, if you're, if you have a, uh, significant amount of body fat to lose and you start tra strength training yes you might get a little bit bulky that and i mean i hate there's no other way to say it but if you're not e efficiently losing body fat and you start to strength train you're going to gain muscle like crazy right because you have the fuel sources to feed that so i find that people that are overweight are often the ones that say they're getting bulky because they have fat to lose so that's yeah. the first thing that I would have to say, um, because you're not seeing the, most of these fitness models and these people that you're looking at, they have a significant amount of muscle and you're not considering them bulky because they're extremely lean. So mm -hmm. that's where people don't realize these people are in like unhealthy single digit body fat numbers. They have a ton of muscle, but you're not considering them bulky because they don't have any body fat. So when we have a lot of extra tissue that is not lean mass, which is body fat, we have a tendency possibly to look a little bit on the bulky side or people are straight up using it as an excuse. And I hope that doesn't sound bad, but um, it does happen where people are like, you know, I get bulky, so I don't want to strength train. It's it, it sometimes it's a blatant lie that they are telling themselves as well. Um, yeah. And I had another another direction I wanted to go with that. And I'm uh, struggling to think of it right now for some reason. That's OK. I, I got something to fill it in in the meantime, because I loved how you okay. were going on about how, like, if you have a lot of weight to lose, like, yes, it sometimes can result in bulk. And the other thing, too, that people don't realize is that a lot of times in that beginning phase, when you start to lose, like you go into a diet, you start to work out, your weight doesn't budge. But you build muscle because you get those newbie gains and you're reducing fat. So you're doing both at the same time. And even though that weight's not moving, muscle is more compact than fat. Like fat has mm -hmm. a bigger volume per pound. So you might weigh mm -hmm. the same, but you are going to be smaller. So if mm -hmm. that's what's going on, you're doing the opposite of a bulk because you're prioritizing mm -hmm. muscle mass. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, I can use my own self as an example with that. Um, I think when I got done doing bodybuilding shows, I was 111 pounds and I gained 55 pounds, right? So I was sitting up there pretty high. I was at 160 pounds. Well, guess what? I'm still at 160 pounds. And I posted an image on my social media, like back in, I don't know, it was probably August or something like that. I haven't taken progress photos of myself in ages because I just didn't care. 
And I, I was just trying to get as strong as possible. And I, I would see it in the mirror. I was like, okay, well, there's changes happening here. And I finally posted a picture and people were like, holy cow, same weight. So I gained a ton of fat from 111 up to 160 pounds, right? But then I started to recomp it through becoming a strength athlete. I didn't train to look in any way at all. I didn't diet to look any way at all. I sh made my shift to focus on how much weight I was actually moving. And when that happened, my body composition stayed exactly the same. My weight never budged, but now I have almost like my body fat percentage is way down there. So, um, yeah. And I'm reasonable with my body too. I carry enough. Like sometimes it's like, uh, I, I could use a shredded six pack, but we all know that's not healthy. So I have to put myself in check and keep myself healthy. Um, but what I was yeah. going to say about the strength training on another note is there is a huge confidence piece to that. So I work with a lot of women now that are 50 and 60 years old and they were, I don't want to say like helpless their whole life. They weren't, but now they don't have to ask their husband for help with things. Right. So I've had several women that are like, Oh, I get my extra large suitcase out of the attic now. And I don't have to help my husband. I wish I would have, I wouldn't, I, you know, I don't have to ask for help. I wish I would have known this so many years prior, you know, they feel empowered that they're able to do what they used to ask their husband or their friends or hire somebody to do. So there's a huge self-confidence and empowerment thing when you start moving heavy weight around and focusing on the number that you're moving as far as the weight goes and less on the number on the scale. Yeah. And you just reminded me of a client I used to have Serge, if you're listening, you're awesome. But she would always come into the gym and she was a flight attendant and people would be like, uh, like struggling with their bag. And she'd come over and be like, gotcha. And it would be like some big dudes. And she'd be like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, that's that awesome. Is, I love I'm that. Like, and it's this like little five, three, five, four woman that you don't like, she like looks like an average woman would. And you, she's like superwoman. And I'm like, this is the coolest mm -hmm. thing ever. Meanwhile, she'd come to the yeah. gym and like deadlift 288 pound uh, kettlebells for reps. Like it's nothing like that level of strength and confidence. You can't put a price on it. No, I love it. I want I have a 74 year old client right now that deadlifts the kettlebell, the heaviest kettlebell I have. And I was like, can I just, Maria, can I just take a video of you? I was like, this is the most badass thing I've ever seen. And she was like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Cause like when, when the clients are in the middle of like lifting and they've worked with us for long enough and they're like, yeah, it's just more weight. It's not that big of a deal, but then you tell mm -hmm. them or like point it out and they're, you're like, that's actually a shit ton of weight. Like you're doing so well right now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's a really empowering feeling, feeling for many women to be able yeah. to move a lot of weight and to be, you know, have better confidence with doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause I think too, the, when it comes to strength training, especially you have a new definition of what weight feels like, because mm -hmm. when you put 135 pounds on the bar, that 145 and you could squat it or deadlift it. You're like, wow, this isn't really that bad. But then you step out of the gym and you're like, that was 135 pounds. That was a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. Well, and for a lot of people, that's their body weight, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, at one point I had this client, she's down about 80 pounds now, but um, she was struggling because she was down only 20 pounds. And this was in the beginning of her journey. And I was like, hey, well, pop on over and pick up a 20 pound dumbbell and see how much that really weighs. That's a lot of weight yeah. off of your body. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Just going to the dumbbell rack and being like, wow, I lost that much. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible feeling. Yeah. Now, I hate that we have to cut this short. I know we both have to get on calls, but I have one last piece that we can't we can't skip it. Got to get got to okay. make sure it happens. Okay, so 
the way that this works, the final question is a question that the previous guest left for you. So before we do that, what's your question for the next guest? Oh boy, that's a really, really hard one. You know, I, hmm, wow, Ryan, you're you're throwing me up here. I usually, <laughs> you know, I think it would be, what is something, a way that you would change something you did in the past based on what you know now? Okay. In the past, based on what you know now. Okay. I like yeah. that. Cause I can think of so okay. many things when I first started coaching that I would do. And oh, yeah. now I look back at them and were they right? Like, I mean, yeah, they could work and they were okay. Right. But now there's such a different way to look at them that it's like, okay, I, I totally would never approach things the way that I used to approach them. And I'm thankful for, I have like 23 clients that are original clients after all this time, right? Still have them. And I'm thankful that they were willing to be my guinea pigs for that and go through all of that with me. You know what I mean? But but I think oh, yeah. that that's a great a great question for somebody is what would you change? You know, especially if it's a, somebody in the health and wellness space, how would you change something that you did in the past now that you have seen it in action or have worked with it? Yeah, I love that because it, it brings up a good uh, a good quote from uh, Eric Cressy. He has a good one where he's like, if you look back on programs for a year for, from like a year or two ago and you're not cringing, you're not learning enough. <laughs> oh, boy. Do I ever sometimes when I look at yeah. some of my original stuff, I'm like, oh, I mean, and did it in theory work on paper? yeah but yeah is there it a was enough way to approach it like yeah i mean there there's a much better way to approach some of these things and i'll probably look at back at what i'm doing now and change it again later on down the road so and if you're not doing that you're not learning exactly exactly now your question and i totally forgot to put down who asked this i'm gonna guess that it was either krista or jim that left this one but if you could eat what was it? If you could only eat one animal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, it would probably be, it would probably be cow for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a good steak? I mean, like that just seems like a no brainer to me as far as food goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe we could open it up to like types, like, so poultry could be like chicken or turkey or like fish could be any yeah. fish. If we were to expand yeah. to that, is it still, is it still beef? Yeah, I mean, you can get milk from beef, too, and you can get cheese from beef. I mean, come on. I think that we're on to something with this cow thing. I mean, I think you and me are on the same wavelength because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I pulled that loophole, too. So we yeah, have because, the idea here. <laughs> yeah, because Cheesecake Factory isn't an animal. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And we <laughs> got to have cheesecake in our lives. We got to have burgers and steaks. Otherwise, what's the point of living? Yeah, I know. A che I mean, cheese, cow, it's all. There we go. It's all been solved. Exactly. It has. It has. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a perfect way to end it. I love that we got so much in, in such a condensed amount of time. Definitely got to have you back on for a part two. Thank you so much for hopping on. Now, if anybody was is listening and they're like, listen, Connie's awesome. I want to see more of her stuff. Where can they find you? Um, I mean, my website's pretty great. I got a lot of information on there. There's also some recipe packs and stuff that people can download, but um, that's uh, ConnieNightingale.com. Nightingale like the bird. So uh, a lot of people want to spell it with a K. Um, and so ConnieNightingale.com or head on over to Connie Bigani on Instagram, or you can check out my podcast, which is the Fit Farming Food Mom podcast. Love that. Love that. And I think there's a pretty good episode on there with somebody 
that we just yeah. filmed recently. Uh, yeah, I think the name escapes yeah. me. I just I can't remember. Yeah, his name might be Brian, but I'm not maybe, sure. I would maybe. have to go double check on that. <laughs> maybe we'll we'll have to double check. Maybe it'll find its way into the show notes. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, I. I'm just going to cut myself off. I feel like I could keep going. But for anybody listening right now who heard something in the podcast that really caught them, that was like, damn, I'm glad I heard that. Or they hear it and they hear somebody in their head like, damn, they really need to know this. Go send it their way. Just drop it. Let them know, hey, Connie said some good stuff. You got to listen. Okay, that's the only way the podcast grows. And I love you all for it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys same time, same place next time. In the meantime, go kick some ass. I'll see you later.